you know, you know, at the time you don't understand what you have, but looking back on it, you're like, wow, am I ever going to have a horse that talented for Piaf and Passage again? You know, like, oh, imagine if I had that horse now, what what could you achieve? You know, but these horses come into your lives, you know, at, at at special moments. Welcome to the Dressage Connection podcast, where we are demystifying dressage training so your connection with your horse can flourish and you can start making sustainable momentum in your riding. I'm your host, Beth Carter, an Australian dressage trainer, coach, and the human behind BC Performance Horses with a passion for making correct dressage training understandable and accessible for every horse and rider. I believe that every horse benefits from dressage training, and I believe that it is possible to develop a horse that produces high quality work, that scores well, while still having an epic connection with your horse. I am here to help you build foundations that will support you through the levels, own your role as your horse's trainer, and fall back in love with riding your horse. So put your foot in the stirrup, and let's build that dressage connection. Hello and welcome back to the Dressage Connection podcast. I'm doing something a bit different today. When I was envisioning putting this podcast together, it was important to me that I share where I've come from, and that includes the people who have helped shape me into the trainer that I am today. So I decided to do this little mini series called Behind the Rider, where I'll be interviewing the people who have been most influential on my riding career. And when I came up with this idea, I knew right away that we had to start with my mentor, Australian Grand Prix trainer, Emma Flavel-Watts. Emma, thank you so much for joining me here today to kick off the Behind the Rider mini-series on my podcast. It means so much to me having you here, being the first guest on my podcast and the first guest on this series, where we're getting to know the people behind my riding career, because my career would not be where it is without you. You gave me so many opportunities, letting me come and help you every single school holidays, finding me my first job in Germany and giving me my first riding job. You've been a really amazing mentor for me and none of this would be happening without you. So let's get into it. (laughs) You are one of Queensland's most successful dressage riders, but you didn't start out in dressage. Tell us how you got into riding. So I... Um, as a young girl, had a very good friend whose um, parents had a, well, they had the writing for dis- disabled. Um, and so I would go to her place on the weekends and we'd ride together bareback and hoon around and have a lot of fun. So I think that's where my passion started was, um, yeah, just having fun on ponies. Cool. Um, and then you worked for Linda Schmerglatt and you decided you wanted to do this as a career and you were training your beautiful mare, Northern Mira, who you then took to Germany. So how did all of that happen? Yeah, so um, once I got over my hooning stage <laughs> and got a little bit more serious, I was fortunate enough to start training with Linda Schmerglatt um and that progressed and became more serious and i kind of 
realized that dressage was the path that I wanted to pursue. Um, and in doing that, um, we purchased Northern Mira, who was a four-year-old mare. Um, and together we um, built a partnership and progressed through the levels. I think we were about medium level when we decided to go overseas. Um, so with the help of Linda, I was able to secure a job in Germany yep. with um, a very good friend of, of Linda, um, Hans Heinrich, Maizu Strohan, yep. um, and that was my first experience in Germany. Awesome. So how old were you when you went to Germany? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. I think I was 19. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. So you took two horses over to Germany. Um, tell us about that experience. So um, that was amazing experience for me at the time. Um, so I took my Northern Mirror with me and I also took a client's horse whom uh, I'd been riding for several years. And um, it was interesting because one horse, Northern Mirror, um, coped very well yeah. with that sort of scenario. She loved being in a stable 24 hours a day. Yeah. And, that was her scene, whereas Armani, the, the gelding I took, couldn't really handle that situation yeah. and became a little bit unhappy and, um, yeah, he much preferred to be outside and moving around, so that was quite difficult for him. Yeah, because yeah. it's such a different scenario. <laughs> yeah, and, then, you know, he's uh, we're not used to that yeah. sort of situation yeah. and, um, yeah, he, he didn't like it very much. Yeah, yeah. 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 You trained with some incredible trainers over in Germany. Tell me about them and how you ended up there. Okay, so when I first moved over to Germany when I was 19, I went straight to Hoya to Hans Heinrich, my Zustrohen, who is or was the German National Young Rider Coach. Yeah. Um, I think I was there for six months and then I actually came home yeah. for 12 months and then that's when I got my horses organized and yeah. took them back cool. and then I went back to that stable again and then uh, from there I moved to three different stables in total yeah um, a smaller stable and then more an auction style stable and then ended up down with Princess Natalie Suzanne Wittgenstein awesome um, so that was yeah that was amazing yeah yeah and you were quite lucky you got to ride a lot I was very lucky yep my I, and very talented. At, at, <laughs> at each stable I was at, I had a riding position. So I was, yeah, very, yeah. very fortunate. It wasn't so easy with two horses, yeah. you know, like it was hard to to move them around and you were kind of a little bit restricted. But it ended up working out well for me and probably yeah. wouldn't change much about that whole experience. It was, it was awesome. Well, that yeah. was one of my questions. So that's good that Sorry. you answered that. <laughs> Um, what are some of your top memories from Germany? My very top memory was having a couple of rides on the World Young Horse Champion Poeten. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I also got to ride a couple of times Kaiserdom, and he okay. was also the World Champion six-year-old as well. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so what's the most important thing that you learned over there that you keep with you now? So I, I 
can't really pinpoint one thing. I think it's a culmination of everything to do with management and running a business and just your general work ethic. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you want this to work, you have to be prepared to put in the hard yards. Yeah, and, I agree. I mean, it's the attention to detail and all those sorts of things that make being a professional rider in this country work. Yeah, because over there it's such an industry yeah. and all of those things are so important yeah. and it's hard to find that here. That's right. I think it's yeah. getting a little bit better now, yeah, but so. we're still catching up. Yeah, so you kind of need the overall, the whole perspective and understanding of, of how it all works. Yeah. Yeah, so what advice would you have for anyone wanting to go to Germany? Be prepared to work hard. Yeah. You're not going to get handed everything to you. You know, you've got to go over there and be willing to dig deep. You know, always be on hand to offer help or ask what you can do next or yeah. you know, just you've got to be you've got to be willing to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, and those are all things you told me before I went over yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so which horses have been the most pivotal in your riding career and why? Um, I think, you know, every horse I've had the opportunity to work with has taught me something along the way. Um, my first Grand Prix horse was Mira. Um, and I learned so much. Obviously, she was my first Grand Prix horse and you know you know at the time you don't understand what you have but looking back on it you're like wow am I ever going to have a horse that talented for Piaf and Passage again you know yeah. like oh imagine yeah. if I had that horse now what yeah. what could you achieve you know but yeah. these horses come into your lives you know at, at the mo at special moments and for a reason and you just have to go with that and and yeah, so thankful for what each horse has taught me along the way. Cabaret C, she wasn't particularly easy. Yeah. Um, and you know, that taught me a different as aspect of riding. And then Andy Armo, you know, he was not necessarily the best put together horse, but yeah. he had the most incredible heart and work yeah. ethic, you know, like that's he, he was incredible and that's what made him yeah. who he is and yeah. then yeah so the next one that's coming along Scalati he's quite similar yeah um he's not particularly brave so hopefully we can develop that a yeah. little bit more and but he has a great character so yeah, yeah. but you've you've had that kind of thing with the bravery with Mira as well mm. in the indoor arena so yeah you've you know you can take what you learnt from her and applied yeah, her. Yeah, she was a very big horse and she was quite claustrophobic in yeah. enclosed spaces. So, yeah. you know, we had to learn how to overcome situations like that. So riding in an indoor arena was quite tricky. Yeah. Um, Sydney CDI in the, in the indoor arena when the stadium was packed full of people that wasn't so That's easy a scary arena when it's yeah, like Werribee was even scarier for her yeah. and um so yeah it was I mean when she was in Germany it was all in indoors so she kind of got used to it eventually yeah. but it was yeah. it was definitely a hurdle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
To go back to Astro for a minute, or Andy Amo for those who know him by his competition name, as you said, he doesn't have the best confirmation in the world for dressage, but you managed to turn him into a really cool Grand Prix horse. That's just such a formative memory for me, watching you do that and being lucky enough to feel like I was just a small part of that because while you were training him through the levels, I was working for you on the school holidays as a teenager. And that experience just really normalized for me that you don't have to have the fanciest horse in the world with the best confirmation ever to be able to move up the level successfully. And that is something that's just really stuck with me and shaped who I am as a trainer. I just remember this one day you put me on him so that you could work on his Piaf in hand and I'd never ridden Piaf before or in a double brad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just an amazing memory that I have yeah. of him and like, yeah, just to be able to be surrounded by that was amazing for me as an up and coming trainer. Yeah. So that horse, yeah, like you said, he's, he's crew pie, he was a bit sway backed. <laughs> But he has the most amazing character of any, you know, he just, and he loves his work. Yeah. You know, he, he stands at the gate and wants to be ridden. I walk to the paddock, he calls out every time, you know, like yeah. he, he genuinely loves to be ridden. Yeah. And that's what made him, Yeah. that, that got him to Grand Prix. You yeah. know, he, I, I really can't ever recall having a, a argument yeah with him he's you know just he such just a gorgeous boy yeah he he always wanted to please and yeah and do he's more a- you know like even if he was physically restricted say for instance he was a little bit downhill in his canner work he would he would never say no it was always like oh i, I can do that or you yeah. know i'll try that and yeah yeah, he was just fantastic horse. And he's been a horse that you can just put anyone on too. Yeah, that's that's right. I still still have people come and have a little ride and he loves it, you know. He, yeah, because he's pretty much retired now. Yeah, yep. He's yeah. even got a, even more sway back now because <laughs> he's got no muscle. But, but for him, like that, he, he loves, he loves yeah. being involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what's your advice to anyone that has a horse that isn't so naturally talented that wants to move up the levels in dressage? You know, it's about the journey. It's not about winning blue met, blue ribbons and world championships, you know. So yeah. you you it's about building the, the partnership together and teaching each horse how to use its body in the best way it can. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it's yeah, about. Training the horse that you have. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what's been the biggest setback of your career and what did it teach you? Um, I think I've been fairly lucky in regard that I haven't had too many dramatic setbacks in my life, touch wood. Um, the biggest setback I'd say would be losing my losing mirror yeah. sort of right in the early stages of her career you know yeah. like there was so much more we could have done together yeah um and that never got to eventuate but yeah. so that was devastating um but that's life and you just have to keep going and keep looking ahead i'm a person that i don't know if i just don't have any time but i never look on the past yeah i'm always looking on the future and and um 
so yeah i mean it's sad at the time and it still is sad and you kind of you know look back and and think you know what could have been but at the same time you're looking for the future and and making new goals and new plans and moving forward yeah that's a good way to look at it and i think you have to look at it that way if you don't want to just be devastated by yeah. this career and yeah. well just horses in general yeah like, even if you yeah, don't do this it. professionally like horses break your heart absolutely it's a tough tough gig that's yeah. for sure so yeah you've just got to learn to continue and keep going and look for the future yeah so what do you look for in a potential Grand Prix horse what and what makes these things so important so i mean first and foremost is obviously a good temperament that sort of makes everything (laughs) a lot easier but you know if you're going to buy a horse and you have a day or two to look at them you're not you're not really gonna um you know understand the horse's full character so that's that's hard but um obviously a good canter yeah is important um and a, a nice walk you don't want something with a huge walk but a nice good quality walk for Grand Prix yeah um and then yeah you want something that's motivated yeah something that's willing to go that you're not gonna have to try to motivate around the <laughs> arena saying no <laughs> at the stage. yeah yeah like a certain mare I know <laughs> <laughs> my mare by yeah. the way <laughs> yeah so yeah I mean uh, you know like confirmation for instance it's not it's not the be all and end all, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's the a lot of a lot of horses. When I was in Germany, you look at them in the box and think, "Oh my goodness, how does that work?" Yeah, you know. And then and then the rider gets on, and they're just transformed into this amazing, yeah. amazing dance partner, you know. So you know, your confirmation helps, but yeah. as it's temperament and and three good paces, but particularly a nice canter. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So one of the ones. One of the things I love most about you as a trainer is you're not rigid in your training plan. You're open to trying different approaches to find what works best for the horse. And like I've seen you work through lunging, long reining, groundwork, clicker training, packing <laughs> out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or training just outside the arena. Um, how do you decide when you're not going to take, like when you're going to take an approach that's not so much the traditional approach? Yeah. Um, I guess because I've worked with, like, I grew up with Merv Kildy. He was a natural horseman. Yeah. Um, so I grew up trying to understand how the horses learned. Yeah. How mentally they deal with situations. And um, and from there, I you know, we started more towards the classical training, that sort of thing. And being in Germany, seeing lots of different training styles. Yeah. Um, I think over time, what I did as, as a rider, I developed my own way, so to speak. But, um, yeah, you're right. Like I try to adapt my knowledge to, to this day. What I, what I know now to each particular horse and often that's very different yeah so um and i i hope i continue to learn yeah i think um, in this industry you're hmm. always learning yeah you know, like you never stop yeah well every horse teaches you you know all, all got different different things you have to work through and that teaches you to overcome different situations and 
what works and yeah 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 definitely so you grew up training with Linda Schmerglatt, as we've already said, and now you train with her son, Robert. How did that come together? So Robert is one of my longest time friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I started with Linda when I was 16, 15, 16, yeah. I think. Um, and obviously Robert and Melanie were, were there and Robert and I developed a, a really strong friendship. Yeah. And he actually went to Germany before me. And so um, that kind of came about too. He ended up going to the same stable. So um, naturally, Robert, you know, when Robert returned to Australia, you know, we've always been in touch. And and, um, yeah, I just said, oh, how about about you help me out? And yeah, because you're kind of without a long term trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember there was a long period of time where you didn't really have a trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard in this country, you know. Like when you when you find a trainer, I think it needs to be someone that you have a good relationship with, that you can bounce ideas off, that you don't get offended if they tell you how (laughs) bad you are. You know, like there needs. A good trainer-rider relationship, I think. So, yeah. and, and um, I find that with Robert, that really works. Awesome. We, we so, work together very well. Yeah, yeah, and that leads into my next question. That's what you like most about training with Robert. Yeah, you have yeah. that relationship. Yeah, and you know he's got a he's he's fair in his training style, firm but fair. Um, I like how he, you know, he, he's always working on you as a rider as well as getting the horse. To, to respond to what you're asking in a positive way. Yeah, he's very positive. Yeah, always like, positive. He, he'll tell you as it is, but he's yeah. very positive. That's right, exactly, yeah. 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 So and he always yeah. has the best interest of the horse, you know. Yeah, he does. It's, it's yeah. yeah, can't be any other way. Yeah, no, definitely not. As a competitor, you're absolutely amazing. Like, I have groomed for you when you've had eight horses at the CDI. <laughs> Some of them doing multiple tests in a day, and you just power through it like it's nothing. Like, how do you do that? I <laughs> uh, look back now. Once, since I've had kids, <laughs> oh, my memory is not what it used to be. Anyway, um, I think I actually work better under pressure. Yeah. So the busier I am, I seem to you know operate better if i've got to sit around for half a day waiting for a test yeah you know i'm better off going for a jog or something in between to sort of keep my keep your adrenaline going yeah yeah (laughs) so the more the better in some ways yeah yeah Yeah. so what is your strategy for memorizing tests because not only do you have to memorize so many i've seen you have learned tests like just before you go in the ring <laughs> in the car on the way to the competition and you're like I haven't even looked at this test yet <laughs> that's because there's nothing else in my brain it's only tests <laughs> there's no room for anything else you just remember all the tests it's just a touch yep, up yep that's it yeah I don't it. seem to have a strategy I think um you know I you know this is what I do every day and kind of it gets built into your system yeah and i guess once you know what's in the tests then you can just go okay well that's the logical next thing yeah 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 so then in the warm-up arena what are you thinking about what are you working on with the horses like what is your goal with the horses so again every horse has their own you know they're all different so 
you ride what you've got on the day you know you might have the quietest horse in the world at home and you get to the competition and it's a raving lunatic you know <laughs> so you, you can only do what you can only do on the day so yeah. um i just hop on i feel what i've got and and go from there yeah you know your training's done at home it's just getting the horse relaxed in a good mental state you know that you can show off your training in the ring hopefully yeah definitely um so then what are you going what's going through your mind as you're writing the tests how are you giving the judges what they're looking for like are you aware like what the judges are really looking for and um, in how you're riding i never go into the arena thinking oh this person's judging i'm gonna ride to please them yeah i never have that thought no. i know i i go into the arena thinking well, i try to think oh, i need to make this a positive experience for the horse i need to be thinking of the next test not yeah. of today yeah um so if i go into the arena and the horse is nervous then my job in that test is to make the horse confident yeah because i want the next time we go out to be better yeah so um yeah i i don't go into the arena going, I'm going to win a blue ribbon today. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if the horse is confident and you can really ride it in yeah. the ring, then sure, go. you know, I go for it a little yeah. bit. But, again, it just depends what you've got on the day. Yeah, cool. What do you do if you're going into the competition arena and things aren't going to plan? Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people struggle with this. Yeah, yeah. So, again, it's the same thing, you know. I'm not going in to win. Uh, I'm going in to make the horse confident. So if, if you go in and the horse is tense and you're making mistakes left, right and centre, then, you know, I might continue riding through, see if it gets any better. Yeah. If it doesn't, then, okay, we say, all right, today wasn't our day. Yeah. If you have to retire, you have to retire, but try to stay positive and encourage the horse, you know, through that sort of situation. Yeah, cool. You have built, or should I say, your husband Will has built and you've designed one of the most incredible equestrian properties in Australia, I think we can say that. <laughs> there is not many like this property that we are sitting on right now. Um, what are your favourite things about the property that make your job easier? Okay, yeah, so obviously the lay of the land. Yeah. It's really a perfect block of land. Um it drains incredibly well. Yeah. Um, the view is obviously amazing. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I'll put yeah. some photos on my social media so everyone can see it. Yeah. 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 No, it just gives a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. The, my favorite aspects. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what would you change if you could do it again? So this property was set up uh, probably more for a commercial sort of operation. So yeah. the, the, the previous property at Croy was more boutique-y, yeah. smaller, yeah. smaller paddocks, less paddocks. Um, this property is obviously a lot bigger, a yeah. lot more paddocks, um, a lot more open for ease of use. Yeah. I think it flows very well yeah. how we've designed it. Definitely. Um, so... I probably wouldn't change too much. Yeah. If I was getting tired and wanted to downsize, <laughs> <laughs> then we might, you know, go back to the more boutique style. Yeah. 
set up but yeah. um yeah for, for now it runs very well yeah. and i'm happy with it yeah awesome. yeah so as you said you had a smaller property a more boutique property before this one what did you think was a good idea at the time when you were building that that you've changed on this property yeah so my my main problem with the other place was obviously it wasn't big enough for my needs yeah um the paddocks were smaller than what i really would have liked so yeah. we've we've doubled the paddock sizes yeah. um my thoughts were i'd be able to spell yeah a few paddocks but that never seems to happen <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've got like a, here we've got several big party paddocks yeah where you know we can run sort of a herd style awesome where yeah. we didn't have that in Karoi and um we've got an indoor and an outdoor arena here that's so that's cool. yeah that's that's really cool like that's good for you know you warm up in the indoor and then you go and ride a test in the outdoor yeah. um change of scenery it's yeah. always good yeah so, different weather yeah yeah, yeah 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 so yeah awesome oh we also have what we didn't have so much at Karoi was the walk in walk out oh uh, yeah and the stable yeah, yeah so at Karoi we stabled the horses a lot yeah. whereas here i don't really stable yeah only if they're injured, yeah. um, they have to be locked in, but yeah. um, it's more walk-in, walk-out. Yeah, so yeah. the shelters in the paddocks have walk-in, walk-out yeah. boxes, yeah. and then some of them you can close, can't some you, of them to you make them yeah. into stables. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. If you wanted to close them, you're not leading horses to and from stables right. in the morning. That's right, saves okay, a so. lot of time. It saves a lot of anxiety for the horses too because, yeah. you know, they're not expecting to come in at night to yeah. be fed. So. Yeah. It stops that running around at feed yeah. time. It's, yeah, it's definitely better. Awesome. Yeah. Like, that's a really cool design that mm. I think probably isn't very popular that people aren't doing. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. It's healthier for the horses too. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. Yeah. How do you juggle being a professional rider with two kids? <laughs> well, I have two amazing kids, so I'm very, very lucky, but I have a lot of help. Yeah um so uh, obviously my mum helps a lot yeah um and my husband's mum comes as well a couple of yeah. times a week so yeah cool. and courtney helps everyone helps <laughs> <laughs> courtney is emma's super groom by the way and yeah. my best friend <laughs> um what does a typical day look like for you so a typical day would be um, get up at six, um, get the kids ready, do one or two lessons before school, yep. then do school drop-off. And then I can usually do six sessions, yep. whether it's lessons, riding, between drop-off and pick-up yep. from school, <laughs> and then usually a couple after. Yeah. So... Yeah. yeah. So gone are the days day. of riding like 25 horses yeah, no, a day. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> 10 is a good day. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's a good number. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can focus on the horses and yeah. everything. And yeah. Yeah. But again, yeah, I need, I've got a lot of help yeah. to, to make that happen, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. On the days where you are feeling less motivated to ride, because we're all human, mm -hmm. we all have days where we are feeling like, oh, do I have to go and ride today? Yeah. 
how do you motivate yourself or do you structure the horse's training sessions differently on those days? Yeah, so people ask me this all the time and I guess I'm fairly lucky that I'm kind of self, pretty self-motivated. Yeah. I don't often find myself in a rut. Yeah. Um, but if I am struggling, then I'll maybe watch some videos of myself at competitions yeah, cool. and think, boy, that really needs to be better. Yeah. So that motivates me Yeah, so you look to, at what, yeah. what's not going exactly. right to motivate. Yep. That's a really that's cool strategy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably my main motivation. Yeah. I like competing. You know, yeah. some people have no aspiration to compete, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I enjoy competing. Yeah. I enjoy training, of course, yeah. at home. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the competing side of things does – keep me motivated yeah, to get cool. better yeah cool so i'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions oh, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> just answer them just first thing that comes to mind all right riding or coaching riding mares geldings or stallions either chocolate or lollies lollies <laughs> i knew that one <laughs> riding indoors or outside uh, inside training or competing both summer or winter I like to sweat, but the horses like winter. Winter. <laughs> horses with bling or no bling? Doesn't matter. Mornings or evenings? Evenings. Favourite saddle? Custom. Favourite riding pants? Pecur. Favourite horse to ride? Dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Cabaret C, Northern Mirror, Astro. <laughs> All of them. All of them. Scalati. <laughs> Favourite test to ride? Uh, Grand Prix. Favourite boot brand? De Niro. Favourite stirrups? Flex on. Favourite helmet? Uh, cask. Cool, so that's all of those rapid fire ones. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't so bad. <laughs> Who inspires you as a rider? Um... So, um, as a rider, for me, looking at a particular rider and thinking, I'd you know, I'd like to ride like them, probably Lottie Fry. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. If you could train with one person in the world, who would it be? Um, another good question. So, you know, I kind of think I'd like to train with someone that I'd like to ride like yeah obviously and again that's probably Lottie Fry but I definitely wouldn't knock back training with Carl Hester yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's well, you... probably my dream yeah. yeah yeah well you've had a lesson with Charlotte you that's true yeah that's true yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that was very awesome yeah. yeah if you could ride one horse in the world dead or alive who would it be oh so many for many different reasons Glamadal for his canner. Yeah. Gallegro. Yeah. You know, Powaden was a dream. Yeah. Secret. I'd love to ride Secret. Yeah. So many. I can't yeah. pick one. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, I don't think anyone could pick one, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> As a trainer, what is something you wish everyone would do with their horses? Um, I guess I, I'd wish people would take the time to understand how a horse learns yeah 
Um, I think that that's very important in in a happy horse. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What is the most common mistake you see riders making with their horses? Uh, probably not re- rewarding the horse at the right time. Yeah. So, and again, it comes from not understanding those moments yeah. when the horse needs to be rewarded at that specific time. Yeah. And that's just, you know, learning horse psychology. Yeah. It just comes from learning about horses, which I actually have yeah. a masterclass that includes a lot of that in my foundational series. Um, I will link that in the description of this podcast. If you could change one thing to make the dressage world as a whole a better place for the horses, what would you change? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know if I'm capable of making any changes, but... Um... In, like, if you did have that power, what is one thing that, like, you would... In the if I had if I had superpowers, yeah. <laughs> I would just try to make every trainer accountable for their actions. Yeah, that's a good answer. You know, I can't control what people do at home, but if I had superpowers, I'd make make it that everybody was yeah train their horses in a in a kind, sympathetic way. Yeah, that's a really good answer. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? (laughs) I know you said you don't like to look back. (laughs) That would be to learn how to say no um, because you... uh, Once you don't set boundaries, it's very hard to then set boundaries. It is and you... It's very easy to get overworked in this industry and... Me as a person finds it hard to let people down, so I take on a lot. Yeah. And if I had the ability to say no, that would make my life a bit easier. (laughs) I I agree with that. And um, I used to be the same way, and since I've set boundaries in my career, it has really helped me. Yeah, yeah. I need to learn that. (laughs) If you could be known for one thing, what would it be? Um, as a rider, I'd like to be known as a trainer who was sympathetic, soft, and kind to the horses. I think that's something that you've achieved. Like when people <laughs> think of you, that's what I think people. Oh, think. I hope so because yeah, you know, the horses—they're amazing and they do so much for us. And you know, they need to enjoy what they're doing. I, you know, I, I don't like horses that are forced yeah to to do this sport so um yeah they've got to they've got to be happy definitely last one before we finish let's shout out the brands who are behind you okay so i'm very fortunate to have some wonderful sponsors it's definitely made running my business and everything a lot easier so big shout out to martin collins australia uh the saddle fitter KC Equestrian Wear, High Gain Feeds, Ag Solutions, Orico Group, Norel Stubbs, and Wendy Benero from Equine Edge Rehabilitation. Thank you very much for your ongoing support. It's, it means the world to me. Awesome. Well, that wraps up all the questions I have for you. 
Thank you so much for doing this. I know you don't it was like my, doing things it was like this. Like my biggest nightmare. <laughs> I can I can ride in front of thousands of people, but talking is not my strength. You've done anyway, really it's well. one of my one of my um, goals in life is to be a better communicator. So he, this is well, a good start. You've learned a couple. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Dressage Connection podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and leave a rating, review, or share a screenshot of this episode to your stories to help more people find their Dressage Connection. You can always reach out to me on Instagram with any questions about anything we've covered on the podcast, your own writing journey, or just to say hi at bc.performancesources. You can also get the latest info about how you can work with me on my website, bcperformancehorses.com. I can't wait to hang out with you in the next episode, but in the meantime, go on and build that beautiful dressage connection 